Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello again, y'all, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're on a journey of discovering what the Scripture teaches regarding doctrine and theology, things that a lot of Christians think are too difficult to tackle, too hard to understand, and too out of reach. But we're always attempting to do this in a way that's applicable to the lives we live. We do this because we agree with what pastor and author Alistair Begg said. The great need is for us to be taught theologically, not just stirred emotionally. We want to help you be strong in your faith doctrinally, knowledgeable in and of the word theologically, and of course, to grow in your love for Jesus exponentially. On today's podcast, we're continuing with the 33 things that occur instantaneously at the moment of salvation to every believer. We've already discussed and studied a number of these treasures of divine grace going back to episode 104. If you missed any of these podcasts, we encourage you to go back and give them a listen. Pastor Jeff, are we ready to get started? Let's get started. Hello, everybody. And I I almost said good morning. Jen and I are... (laughs) We're switching it up a little bit. Yeah, we don't... I don't feel like we do... Do we do a lot of these in the morning? I think we we do most of them in the afternoon. We do, yeah. So... If you hear a stifling a yawn, it's not that early. <laughs> and I'm only on my third cup of coffee. But hey, I want to begin by asking you if you've ever seen the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks. I think Darlene and I saw it in the theater. You know, it came out in 2020. It's been out for 22 years. 20, you mean no, tw- two, 2000. 2002? See, that's why it's yeah, early 2002? in the morning. 2002? 2000. 2000. So it's been out for 22 years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We probably should... Cut all of this and go back and do it over, but we're not going to. <laughs> and I, I know I've watched it a few times on TV, I think. Yeah, have you ever seen it? Oh, of course. Wilson. <laughs> Wilson was great. It was an interesting movie, and it had this subtle underlayer. That's Is that even a word, underlayer? Sure. It had this subtle foundation of hope. Oh, yeah. In it. Yeah, because, I mean... That's all that he lived on. <laughs> That's yeah, all that, right. that he lived on. You know, yeah. I heard somebody recently say that the definition of hope is not the same thing as being an optimist. The definition of hope is looking at your circumstances and saying, yeah, this is bad. This is really bad. But then you're able to see past that to light and know that there's a path forward. So that's, that's well, that, hope. And but that yeah. describes that movie I mean, extremely well. And then. we hoped, right? We hoped he lived. We hoped he got water. We hoped he didn't starve. Yeah. There's, Oh, oh, yeah! The scene where he needed dental care and he didn't—he oh. could not get it. That was rough. I hoped that his long love had been long suffering for him. That's right. There was the romantic entire time. Yes, he goes back and yeah. Well, he he played Chuck Nolan, yes. who was a FedEx account executive. The company plane went down. He was on stranded him on this desert island for years, and it was really a hopeless situation. But suddenly things changed and. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it in the last 22 (laughs) years, he does get rescued. Well, I wonder if you, kitchen table theologian, recall a commercial that ran a few years ago during one of the Super Bowls. I wonder Mm -hmm. if you remember this. FedEx ran a commercial that spoofed the movie, Mm -hmm. Castaway. So looking like bedraggled Tom Hanks or Chuck Nolan in the movie, uh, this FedEx employee in the commercial goes up to the door of a suburban home with that 
package, which is all aged and, you know, falling apart in hand and rings the doorbell. The lady comes to the door and he explains that he had just survived five years on a deserted island. And during the whole time, he kept this package as well as he could keep it to deliver it to her. And she just simply says, thank you. But he's curious, what is in this package I have been protecting for five years on this deserted island? He says, if I may ask, what what was in the package after all? And she opens it up and she shows him the contents and she goes, oh, nothing really. Just a satellite telephone, a global <laughs> positioning device, a compass, a water purifier, and some seeds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that commercial. That it actually was pretty smart. It was pretty funny. <laughs> So that leads us in somehow to today's topic. So we'll look at what it means to have hope, but specifically that hope is rooted in what it means to be complete in Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what we're looking at today, what it is to be complete in Christ. And again, for those of you who may be new to Kitchen Table Theology, we're examining 33 things that occur instantaneously at the moment of salvation to every believer. And this, we assume, Pastor Jeff, to be one of those things, well, right? Well, shockingly, yes. We're still staying on, <laughs> on track. On theme. Yeah. So like the contents in that package that the, the FedEx employees were protecting, the resources for us, for growth and strength, they're all available to every Christian. Jesus alone holds the key to every need we have. And I'm convinced that the primary reason so many Christians unduly struggle in their Christian lives is twofold. We don't know and we don't apply. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when you struggle with your faith, it comes down to either both or at least one of those things you don't know and you don't don't apply if you do know. So we're, we're either ignorant or we're negligent or both. And you say, well, what do you mean? Well, I think we don't fully realize or we forget who we are in Christ. And we don't believe that Jesus Christ is all we need sometimes. Mm. So listen, if we believe that Jesus is truly all we needed, we, we would never be out there trying to fill voids and, and find answers to problems anywhere else, but in Christ or with Christ's help. So, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to fill uh, voids and we're trying to answer questions that really only he can fill. And if we understand how complete we truly are in him, we don't really need to look or to go in any other direction. Yeah. You know, why don't I read our foundation verse for today's podcast? And Pastor Jeff, you can unpack it a little bit. It's found in Colossians 2.10. So you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. In Jesus Christ, if you know him, if you've been born again, if you're a new creation in him, trusting him, you have been, past tense, Mm -hmm. you have been made complete. You're complete. And that means I don't care or, you know, we, we shouldn't care what, how, or uh, how we feel. You know, this, that's factual, complete in Christ. That's the truth. And you are complete. You have been made complete. Christ is sufficient and your sufficiency isn't in yourself. It's, holy in him. So when we read that we're complete in him, I think we all understand, or at least we think we do, what the word complete means. But what does it mean exactly in this context when we're saying complete in Christ? Yeah, that in Christ part, that's a that's a major, major part of this. We you know that that phrase complete in Christ can also be translated like this. You have come to fullness of life. Mm. The emphasis in the Greek is upon the abiding results of our position in Christ. The believer permanently holds that position before God from the moment of his or her salvation. If you are a follower of Christ, 
The Bible says you are in Christ. And because you are in Christ and because he is complete, you have been made complete. So you get that? Mm -hmm. All him, not us. Because I'm in Christ and because he's complete, I am declared complete as well. That completeness is in him. Because Jesus is who he is, we have been made complete in him. So his fullness is imparted to us. And, you know, another thing we like to do here at Kitchen Table Theology is to define the words and terminology. So let's do that for this word complete. How is that defined in the New Testament? Well, it's defined pretty much how we define it in English. Mm. Entire, finished, made full, perfect. Essentially, it's the same word used in verse 9. Paul says, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. There's the Christ, you know, being God. All the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. As all the fullness of the eternal God is Christ's, all the fullness of Christ is yours and mine. Mm. I find this astonishing. I mean, that really is what grace is. Mm-hmm that the fullness of Christ is yours and mine. Our fullness of life comes from the fullness of Christ. Now, there is another uh, wonderful verse in John 1.16 that sheds some light on this. So how about reading that one for us? And of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. So there's that word fullness again. So we need no outside help from any source. We need no supplementary wisdom. So every Christian at the moment of salvation receives this fullness. This is God's estimate of us. This is what God thinks about us. God views us. Once we're in Christ, God views us as pardoned and as righteous as Christ is righteous. We are with him in his life. We are with him in his sonship, in his airship, H-E-I-R, not <laughs> like an airplane, an airship. And I think we I think we did a podcast on being an heir. We did. In this series. We, we are in him with his glory and all the merit that belongs to him belongs to us. So God accomplishes this instantaneously at the moment of salvation. We don't receive Christ on the installment plan. <laughs> It's not a trickle down. No, he's not a trickle down. He's not some appliance that we're paying for monthly. We receive a complete Savior and complete results of our salvation the moment we come to know him. And we may appreciate him more as we grow in him. However, we don't receive more of him. We receive all of him at that moment of salvation. This is such an incredible truth, and it just goes so opposite to what our culture tells us. Well, when I do this, then I'm going to feel like I'm complete. When I find this person, when I get this job, when I have kids, I'm going to feel complete. Just, you know, like you said, filling that up with something else. So there's a this and a then in life a lot. Sure. Yeah, do this, get that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So let's go for another definition or look at another definition. What should we understand the term in him as that we are complete in him? Yeah, that's amazing as well. In him means in union with Jesus Christ. So this is the believer's position before God. As God views us, he looks at us exactly like he would look at Christ. Perfect. We are not perfect. Let's just, I think we all understand this. None of us are perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Do we, I don't think we need to define that, right? We are not perfect in our experience, but in our position before God, we are. We share Christ's 
fullness. So from God the Father's viewpoint, nothing is wanting or lacking in us because of Christ. Mm. Jesus fully meets every demand of God for us. Mm-hmm. So that's true of every Christian, no matter what their experience of living may be like. Jesus Christ is our substitute, not only at the point of salvation, but as an ongoing status before God. Now, I think a lot of followers do not get that. We think of Christ as Christ your substitute. Most believers understand that. Yes, he was my substitute for salvation, but it's not just for salvation. Mm-hmm. It's it's ongoing. Not his sacrifice, but who he is in us is always alive and ongoing before God. So we stand Maybe think about it like this. We stand judicially right before God because of Christ forever. Mm -hmm. So God's estimation of us is equivalent to his estimation of Christ. And the Father identifies us with Jesus in everything. And I think I would encourage people now to go back and listen to the podcast that we did on God's love for us and that, that fact that so many of us doubt that because we look at that experience and we say, there is no possible way that anyone could love me because of Yeah, we did. Uh, we'll we'll try to put that in the show notes. Yeah, um, I think it's an important correlation because yeah. I mean, I've had I've had students say to me over the years, you talk about grace, but grace doesn't overcome what what I've done. Right. And it's not because it's grace, we can't earn it. So we can't unearn it. It's just about that position. So, that's a tangent, but <laughs> No, that's a that's a very good tangent. <laughs> So doesn't it say somewhere in the New Testament that Jesus has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness? And as I've always believed that to mean that when we're saved, we receive all that we need to live the Christian life. Everything. There's no other experience, the job application, no no experience required, right? None none necessary. (laughs) Well, you know, the Living Bible is worth reading at this point because of its simplicity and rendering Colossians 1.10, which the Living Bible, which I don't necessarily recommend you spend a lot of time. It's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. And we did a podcast, we did a bonus mm -hmm. podcast on that a year and a half ago or something, what difference between translation and paraphrase. But it, it renders one Colossians one ten like this. You have everything when you have Christ, mm. which says it all, really. If believers have everything, then there's no good reason why we should seek anything additional to add on to our experience as we walk with Christ. Well, before we sign off today, I wonder if you'd comment on the latter part of our foundational verse today in Colossians 2.10, the second half of the verse that reads, he is the head over all rule and authority. I think we can guess what that means, but can you give us a little bit more? Yeah. So this, if you're still tracking Kitchen Table Theologian, (laughs) this is the latter half of the very first verse Jen read in Colossians 2.10. He's the head over all rule and authority. So the word head in Greek is used three times in the book of Colossians. It's used in chapter 118, it's used in chapter 210, and in chapter 2, verse 19. It's a word that's used for a literal head, such as a person's head. Mm. And I'm looking at your head. That's what it means. And you've got a hat on your head with a terrier on it. What is that? It is. It's Wofford, our sweet little oh, college Wofford. here in South Carolina. The yeah. Wofford Terriers. I love that school. It is yeah, a precious little school. Spartanburg, Spartanburg South, South Carolina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Hey, Wofford, you owe us one. I know. We're giving you a shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where were we? Okay. Yeah, I got off a person's head. So that's what it means. But it can also refer to a symbolic head like the head of a family. 
But when it's used that way, it has the pre- predominant meaning of authority over, mm-hmm. right? So the head of the family is the authority over that family. So to be the head in this sense is to be one in authority. And here it says, Jesus is head over all rule and authority. So he's not only the authority, he is over all authority. And what what is that rule and authority? Yeah, I don't why do you push me on these things? <laughs> we got to do a, a you know, word okay, by so, word dive. So he's the head. And uh, if you're still hanging in there, we're, we're, we're almost finished. So it says he's the head over all rule and authority. So rule and authority could refer to the angelic created beings. It's used that way in Ephesians 3 and 6. It's also used that way in 1 Peter 3. Or rule and authority could simply refer to uh, Christ's supremacy over earthly authority. So we can understand it, I think, in both ways, because Christ is the head over all authority, whether it be angelic, demonic, or human. Hmm. So that's what that means. Hmm. So can I end Can I end our time with a real quick story? Love a story. Yeah. Well, I'm going to end that anyway, whether you give me permission <laughs> or not. So the story is told about William Randolph Hearst, hmm. the late newspaper publisher from back in the day. He invested a fortune in collecting great works of art. I mean, he was an extremely wealthy man. So one day he read about some valuable pieces of art, and he just said, man, I have got to have these for my art collection. So he sent his agent out to locate them and purchase them. And months go by, the agent returns and reported to William Randolph Hearst. He said, it took me a while, but I finally found the art pieces that you want to purchase. Hearst said, great. Where are they? He said, they're stored in your own warehouse. Mm. A few years ago, you had already purchased them. Oh, gosh. So the story is analogous to the Christian who's in desperate search for what he or she already Mm. has. So kitchen table theologian, don't be held captive by anything other than the all-sufficiency of Jesus. He's sufficient for our every need. His fullness dwells every believer, and you are complete in him. And that happens instantaneously at the moment of salvation. Well, thanks so much again for listening to Kitchen Table Theology. Please take a moment, if you would, to rate and review this podcast, including on Spotify and iTunes. It helps new listeners find the show, and we want to spread the Kitchen Table Theology love. And may I say this? We referenced the God is Love podcast. Yes. That's episode number 27. 27. Oh, that was a while ago. That was on uh, September the 20th of 2020. Yeah, a while ago. That was a long time ago. Well, look but, at me having that retention. <laughs> well, just to say that we did a podcast with God in love was a pretty good bet. God yeah, is love is a guess. pretty good bet. No, but you, you did. You, you can at least remember back two years ago. So this is there you go. cause for great hope. There you go. We might not remember when Castaway came out. No, but we, we had no idea. We, we got the big markers. I didn't even know what decade. I, I was so off, yeah. Well, hey, don't forget, again, as we just mentioned, to check out those episode notes. And as always, thanks are due to our friends at Lowcountry Community Church right here in Bluffton, South Carolina, for making this podcast possible. And to Danny and her team at Streamline Podcast for making us sound good. And of course, to Dylan Voorhees, today's sound engineer. Please head over to jeffcranston.com for more information about Dr. Cranston, his books, sermons, leadership notes, and blog posts. And Lord willing, next week, we'll be back with another great episode. So there it is. Go deeper. And until next time, always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, 
You can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.